0: Let's pray. Father, we worship you and praise you. Lord, we give you our yes. Father, we give ourselves to you completely. I can't choose for anybody else, but I know they are with me. I give you everything completely. Not for the purpose of receiving anything back. Except you. You, your Son, your Holy Spirit. For there is no greater gift that you could give than what you have already given. And there is no greater gift that we can give you than everything we have. For you to be our complete focus, our complete joy, our complete love. I love you. voice is yours. My heart is yours. Speak what you will, your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Lord had me do something different this morning that I've never done before. It was... <laughs> really kind of strange, and I mean this morning, like before I came here in the morning, um, you know, I get up, I get ready, and I go to my special place, right, everybody who's at our house knows where that is, and I just spend time with the Lord in the morning. This morning he had me listen to last week's message, I've never done that before, how you all put up with my voice is beyond me. Yeah. I, yes. Thank you. You don't have a choice. That's why you sit on the front row. That's why. Yeah. That that part was a little difficult for me because I keep telling myself I am not nasally, but then I hear myself and I am like really bad. But I think he wanted to do it for a couple of reasons, and one is for me to recognize what he does, to recognize what he promised he would do, and that is that it would be none of me. And in asking him this morning what he wanted for today, oh, you put the title up. That's awesome. (laughs) That's what he told me, whatever I want. it's Not me, him. But he wants us to continue on from last week. We're going to continue on in Revelation, I'm pretty sure. But there's something he's laid on my heart that I want to go to in conjunction with these letters to the seven churches. I do want to go through a couple of things about those, though. And then, man alive, I've been wrestling with the Lord with something else this morning. Something that I know is coming, something he's shown me, He, he has actually shown me even the timing of, and... I didn't know if it was something that he was just showing me and that I was to keep to myself or if it was something that I was to declare. And he made it real clear in that last song that I will be declaring it, I will be revealing it. And um, we'll see when he wants to do that. But I want you to turn to Revelation chapter 3. And last week, just to kind of go over that, just real quick again, we, I think we we pretty much made it through the Church of Sardis, which is the beginning of chapter 3, and and we, we began to read into the Church of Philadelphia. But I, I want to go back, we didn't really talk much about the Church of Philadelphia, so I, I, I want to go back, and I want to just briefly touch on what we did last week. And really, it's the second part, beginning with the second part of verse 1 in chapter 3. And this is to the letter to the church of Sardis. Remember, this is a letter from Jesus Christ, right? This is from Jesus Christ to the churches. All right? Now, these were specific churches, but the way I want you to look at this is that each church has a portion of people that would encompass all seven of these letters. All seven of these letters are of importance to everybody in the bride. It's not like, well, you know, I I got the last three and I don't have to worry about the first four. No, we're all commanded to know what he is placing in each one. Now, they may not all apply to you, but that's because your choice. Right. It is our choice when we press into him in relationship. It's, it's our choice to give him our yes, and he puts us in places or certain walks in life where we might find ourselves in, in different places than perhaps others. But the principles behind all seven of these apply to each one of us, and we're all held responsible for them. So again, last week, Second part of verse 1, I know your works, this is the church sardis, I know your works, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. I can't remember if I said this last week or not, but who's that sound like? And I don't mean specifically, but doesn't that sound like a church that is trying to make things feel emotional? Make things feel a certain way. Now, I'm all for ambiance. I'm all for music, obviously. I mean, that, that last song and what the, what the Lord did there. First of all, understand, the Lord did that. The Lord built that emotion in a song because there's nothing wrong with emotion. But I, I'm getting all tied up here. We really need a stage. <laughs> I'm all for these things. But if they are simply a tool to elicit a response, then it's a mistake, guys. The Lord loves music. He loves worship. But He wants to be the one to build it, just as He did this morning. He was the one that built that. Because it was His emotion, His love flowing that did it. But in this church, this church of Sardis, he said, "You have this reputation of being alive because you have these amazing services. You go there, and you've got you've got the incredible music. You've got the the lighting system that just dims at the right time. <laughs> of course, if you know the behind the scenes, it's because it's programmed. It's it's programmed to elicit a feeling at a certain point." See, and I, I know I don't need to drive this point home. Point is, from the outside, you look alive. But what's it look like when you walk outside the door? What's it look like when you walk into the rest of your life, the rest of your week? He said, you have the reputation of being alive, but you are dead. You are dead because everything happening in you is happening within your walls. It's not happening outside your walls. Number two or verse two he says, Wake up. Wake up and strengthen what remains and is about to die. See, he didn't down the fact that they loved Jesus. He's saying, Take what you do have, recognize what's going on. And don't let what you do have die, but instead let it grow. Let it grow to real relationship and real being alive. Have you ever went to a a church or a service or whatever that was alive? Yeah? You feel the difference. You don't feel the difference because of the ambiance. I mean, I'm sorry, but we have just about zero ambiance here, right? We have no control of lighting. I mean, maybe put the shades down, although they're down right now. So, we, we have really no control of lighting. We have, we have no smoke machine. I'm not sure how I'd ask my parents for that one. We have no, no smoke machine. We barely have room for instrumentation up here. Right? We don't have instruments that they would normally have. We have a drummer who beats a box. (laughs) And does a phenomenal job. Right? So it's not about ambiance. So how is it that the Holy Spirit is so strong and moving in worship? It's because it's Him. It's Him. It's our hearts bleeding out for Him. We just desire Him. Wake up. Strengthen what remains and is about to die. For I have not found your works complete in the sight of my God. And this is the part I wanted to get to. Remember then what what you have received and heard. Keep it and repent. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief. And you will know or you will not know what hour I will come against you. Remember, we talked last week, this is not talking to unsaved, and the rapture is going to really surprise you guys if you're not saved. It's not what it's talking about. It's talking about the consequences of sin. It's talking about, on a grand scale, a time that is coming that all the prophecy in the Word of God of the end times talks about. I know you've heard it for years, but guess what? We're there. We're coming into those end times. Are we coming into the doom and gloom of what is going to be just so bad that God finally comes and gets us? No. We're coming into chapter 3, verse 9. The readying of the bride, where the bride becomes so in love With Jesus Christ. So adoring of Him that He can't stand to be away anymore. That's the time in which we're entering. Now, because of that, just like what will happen in the end end times, (laughs) if you want to call it that, just like what will happen with Israel, it will happen with the bride first. It will be a foreshadowing of what is going to happen to Israel, which is what you read all throughout Revelation and many other books. But it will happen to the bride as a foreshadowing. And we've talked about this, right? So when I say judgment is coming, judgment is coming. He is going to judge just like what he said here. He is going to judge first those who are an enemy of God. Those who may even tout His name, but don't know Him. But then He will judge those who do not give their lives to Him. That gets into later in chapter 3, the lukewarm. That judgment is coming. and, And I know, I know, I get it. Preachers don't like to preach judgment. I don't like to. I'm a positive guy. I don't like to preach negative things. That's why it's difficult for me when He has me do it. Judgment's coming. There's a judgment... It's going to begin on Tuesday three three. It will last for a hundred and fifty days. This judgment will be against the enemies of God. Because those who will be touched are those who are not sealed. By the Holy Spirit as it says in Ephesians 1 13 and 14 I don't know what it's going to look like I do know that it's going to be very difficult for those who receive that judgment it will not be a judgment of death this will not kill them they will want to die but it will not kill them Not saying other things won't, but this will not. This judgment, in many ways, is a warning. Because the judgment that comes after that five month period, it ends July 31st. The judgment that comes after that will include death, it will bring a separation. It will be this verse that we just read. Lord, I hope that's enough to reveal right now. If you will not wake up, I will come like a thief, and you will not know at what hour I will come against you. Yet you still have a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white for they are worthy. The one who conquers will be clothed, thus in white garments. and I will never blot his name out of the book of life. I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Now I want to get into this one here. Actually, you know what? No, let me just talk real quick about the church of Laodicea, because I've said so much about it already. Let's just talk about it, and then I want to go back to church of Philadelphia. Verse 14 of chapter 3, And to the angel of the church of Laodicea write the words of the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of God's creation. I know your works. You are neither hot, or you are neither cold nor hot, Would that you were either cold or hot. So because you are lukewarm and neither hot nor cold, I will spit you out of my mouth. And then he goes to explain what it means to neither be cold nor hot. For you say, I am rich. I have prospered and I need nothing, not realizing that you are wretched, pitiable, poor, blind, and naked. Now, understand here, and I know we've talked about this even recently. Can't remember if I've done it up here or if we did it in a gifts meeting. But understand this is talking to those people who are saved. This is not a, I would rather you be saved versus unsaved. Okay, he's talking to people who know Christ as Savior who are sealed by the power of the Holy Spirit, Ephesians 1, 13 and 14. He is saying, some of you are hot. Some of you have built relationship with me. Some of you know me. When I call your name, you hear my voice. But then there are others that are cold. That except for the fact of them being sealed, there is no evidence at all that they are a child of God. He didn't talk about them either. And I think it's extraordinary for him to say, I would literally rather you be cold than lukewarm. What does it mean to be lukewarm? He just explained it. He said to not, or to think that you don't need him. That you don't need him. I got this. I got a career. I got my finances figured out. Right? I know I bring in this amount of money and I cover this amount of bills and I've got everything all cordoned off and I have it all organized and and I got my life in such a way that I got it, God. Thank you, by the way, for for my career. And we'll, we'll give him the thanks for what he gives us to literally control our own lives. Wow. If you think that's him giving that to you for that purpose, you're deceiving yourself. He doesn't give you a career so you can then control something else. He doesn't give you a relationship, a spouse, so that you can then pull that away from Him. He gives you these things to enhance your relationship with Him. And yet, when we take these things, we think it's a blessing from God. I got it now, God. Thanks for this. Now I got it. I'll take care of it. I'll get back to you when I need something else. You know, and I know that's kind of kind of, you know, out there and and maybe people wouldn't recognize it quite that way, but in the reality of a person's life, isn't it that way? Even a person who touts Christ. You know that I I I live for Jesus Christ. You know, I, I go to church every Sunday and I, w- I was real proud of this when I was younger. I remember when I was in high school, I went to a legalistic school. And I wasn't like probably, uh, I don't know, I wasn't like your typical kid in a legalistic school, especially, I want to say, my sophomore year, my first year at this particular school. I was hungry for the Lord. And I wanted him. I I thought the way to get him was in this immense control. But but I did. I, I went, and I've told you before, I went and knocked on doors. You know, when they answered the door and said, Hi, how you doing? I'm from such and such church. You know, do you have any kids? We'd love for them to come out to youth group. And you no know, <laughs> I never quite got that far. They'd open the door. Hey, do you know Jesus Christ? No, thank you. You're going to hell. Now, I may have said a few other words in there. Right? But what it was in reality was, God, you've told me what to do. I got this. I'll go do it myself. Because I didn't know that he wanted to partner with me in it. I saw a separation between this world and his kingdom. And the whole point is, he wants us to understand, he wants his bride to bring his kingdom here. You you can't you can't look at relationship with him without understanding that fact. If you don't believe his kingdom can be here, you cannot have relationship with Jesus Christ. Let me say that again. If you don't believe that His kingdom can exist here on this earth where we are fully engaged in His kingdom, you cannot, cannot have relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm not saying you can't be saved. I'm saying to have relationship with Him, you have to believe that He will reciprocate that relationship. You have to believe That he will speak to you, not just in the black and white letters of your Bible, which he does, huge. But that he will care about you personally. That he will care about your direction, your path, personally. You know, there's a lot of people in this world. I can look at the Word of God, and this is how I used to look at it. I can look at it and say, you know, this is my... Blueprint for the path that I need to be on in my life. And as long as I'm within the boundaries of this blueprint, I got it, Lord. I'm within your blueprint. I was too afraid not to be, by the way. I said that last week. I was too afraid not to be. I wanted to control staying in this blueprint. And do you know I was as far off as anybody else that... Didn't even follow the blueprint. Because I didn't understand that relationship had to be something that was achieved through one thing only. And that's faith. When you get saved, you have this invitation. It's this invitation to relationship. You can't have relationship without salvation, without justification of sin. You can't possibly do that because the Father can't even look on you, right? Unless you are covered in the blood of Jesus Christ. But once you have that, you have this opportunity for this relationship. And and what he's saying here is, if you are lukewarm, if you are not caring about this relationship, if you are not caring about that interaction, I'm going to spit you from my mouth. But he gives you a solution. And in this solution, I want to tell you that this is the proof that it's talking to Christians. Verse 18, I counsel you. This is Jesus talking. This isn't John. This isn't Paul. This isn't Peter. This is Jesus talking. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire. If this had to do with justification of sin, you couldn't buy it. If this had to do with somebody being saved or not saved, you could not buy it. Why? Because justification of sin is not for sale. Jesus did it. He already paid. He paid the full price. He paid everything that you need for your justification of sin. All you have to do is receive it as a free gift. You receive it, you receive him. That's all you have to do. So then why is he saying here, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined by fire? That means something must be purchasable from Jesus. What can we purchase from Jesus? That's the relationship. That's the learning who he is. That's the interaction back and forth. Purchasing gold that has been refined by fire is that relationship. Because I'll promise you one thing when you step in relationship with him, there's one thing that's going to happen immediately. And that's the testing of that relationship. You know, (laughs) when you get married, you will be tested in that relationship. My wife is a great tester. that's why she has the gift of teaching, because she really knows how to give out tests. And I probably am too, I'm sure. But I have the microphone. But see, that's the thing. Nothing is valid until it's tested. You could learn all week what you have for a science test, but guess what? It doesn't mean anything until you're tested on it. And then you get a grade. And then you realize, wow, well, I should have done my homework. <laughs> I should have paid a little more attention. I should have <laughs> invested a little bit more time. Now I've got to explain to Dad why I got a 75. Still, that's passing, <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's passing, right. Yeah. in the Twiddle household. Ooh, <laughs> the whole point, though, is... What you can buy from Jesus Christ is relationship. And you buy it with your love. You buy it with your sweat. You buy it with your desire. You buy it with your faith.
1: I have faith,
0: Lord. I have faith that you will do what you say. I have faith that when I step in this where you have told me to step, that you will plant my feet on firm ground. I have faith that you will do that. That's purchasing the gold that then gets refined through the fire. Now I'm going to just go down real quick. Just finish up this one. He said, this gold refined by fire so that you may be rich. And white garments. So purchase also these white garments that you may clothe yourself and the shame of your nakedness may not be seen and salved to anoint your eyes. What's he mean by white garments? It's your purity. It's your purity, guys. It's, It's not working off a list of do's and don'ts. That's not what it is. It's literally seeing what is in the way of your relationship with God and getting it out of the way. Do you know... For some, that may be different than others. I mean, there are sins that are obvious, obviously. But then there are some that Paul says are different. But if it is coming between you and your relationship with the Lord, that has to be gotten out of the way. That is the purchasing of those white garments. Lord, just like what David said in Psalm 139, he said, Search me, O God, know me. Know my heart. Try me. Show me anything, anything, anything that's in the way of my relationship with you. Not anything that would cost me my salvation. Not anything that would cost me my life. Not anything that would cost me my position. That's not what David cared about. He didn't care about his position. What he cared about was his position with the Lord. He cared about his relationship with the Lord. His communication with the Lord. If you don't believe me, go through all throughout the book of Psalms. You know, times when, when the Lord would allow David a time of silence. When he felt all his enemies were closing in on him. And he felt the Lord was silent to him. That relationship was precious to David. Not just for his life's sake. Because he learned how to love him and he fell in love with him when he was just a shepherd and had all that time by himself in the Lord. But he said, Purchase these white garments, purchase that purity through that walk, through that building of relationship. I will show you, the Lord says, He will show you what's in the way and it is up to you to get it out of the way. Not him it was up to him, he would have done it a long time ago. But it's your choice. That's your part of the relationship that is choice by removing these things. And, and here's the thing. There are a lot of things that we do that we know are sin. And we justify them in different ways. Those are obvious ones. You know, go before the Lord and, and Lord, show me what. And he said, look, I've been showing you this one for years. Why don't you take care of that one? Because once that one's gone, you might see some of these others. can't see the others because this one's in the way. When we purchase those white garments, it is purchasing that pure walk. And please understand, I'm not talking about a sinless life. That is impossible. That is unattainable. A sinless life. Because we we have these sin-filled lives that we are born into, this sinful flesh. But I am telling you, there's a walk that you can walk in the power of God that is righteous before Him. You can walk in a way that is righteous, and this is the proof of it right here. He says it. You can purchase in that relationship... Through those trials, you can purchase those white garments and walk cleanly in Him. You can do that. Now, it doesn't mean when you purchase those, that that guarantees you from ever falling down in the mud. That's why you keep purchasing. You keep pressing in. You keep going after Him, recognizing that my goal is not the purity. My goal is Him. I will never attain Him. For eternity will be building relationship with Him. So put your focus on Him now. And the other things will not be a distraction. Even the sin that He, that he shows you in your life will not be a distraction. It will be a point of getting rid of. And south to anoint your eyes, so that you may see. Again, so we could see His kingdom. How how somebody can read this word, and and say that He does not want us to understand His kingdom is beyond me. I mean, they, they are truly children that just drink milk. That's it. They can't get beyond the milk. They can't. Because it's all throughout His Word. See, I don't need milk, or I, I don't, I don't need eyes to see His Kingdom. If all I'm doing is drinking the milk, but if you want the meat of His Word, if you want these clean robes, if you want that gold that's refined by by fire, you better pursue Him in His Kingdom. That's what Matthew six thirty three is all about. So that you may see. Verse 19, to those, those whom I love, I reprove and discipline. So be zealous and repent. And we talked about this last last week. To those I love, I reprove and discipline. If he's not disciplining you, you may want to check your relationship with him. And it doesn't, and I'm not saying beating you down or anything like that. I'm talking about if there is no conviction in your heart, ask him why. Ask him why. And and I'm not even going to go down to that personal level, but. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and eat with him and he with me. See, this isn't about justification of sin. This is about relationship. Behold, you are saved. You are justified of your sin. See, think of it like this. The Father sees you through Jesus' eyes. Right? You've accepted Christ as Savior, so there is this Jesus filter over your life that the Father now can look at you through Jesus' eyes. So he just stands there and knocks. And Jesus stands there and knocks. He says, are you going to come and open the door? Are you going to now, because you have this right, are you now going to build relationship with me? Are you going to let me in to those difficult places in your life? Even in relationship, we hold things back. Oh, for the Christian that holds nothing back. They're the ones that will change the world. Because we, out of fear, out of hurt, out of frustration sometimes, we hold things back. We hold just this one area. Well, Lord, you know, I'm, it, this isn't even a bad area. Let me just hang on to this one area. Boy, for me, that was music. I, I had certain music that I liked growing up. And I hung on to it for the longest time. And I'm not even going to mention the band, but one band in in particular. And it wasn't that it was bad. Pretty sure. (laughs) But it wasn't what God wanted. And he wanted me to let go of even that. Was I willing to let go of everything and just say, I want you, that's it. We sing it. Do you know when you sing it, you declare it? When you sing it, you declare it, and then if your life doesn't show it, then that is something Satan uses against you. Did you know that? Now, I'm not going to say don't sing. I'm just going to say mean it when you sing. Recognize the words that you say. Recognize the words that you sing. By the way, that works the same with secular music. All of a sudden you find yourself, you know, repeating this song that maybe you knew 20 years ago. And, oh, wow. I mean, that's happened with me. I'm, I'm like, oh, wow, I didn't even, I hear I'm singing the song and I didn't even realize that's what I was saying. <laughs> Had such cool beat. Be careful what you say. The more you build relationship with the Lord, the more he will make you aware of these things. Why? Because he wants you in the white clothes. He wants that intimacy with you. He wants to come in and eat with you and you with him. He wants that back and forth. That's what we talk about all the time. I love this. The one who conquers, I will grant him to sit on my throne as I also conquered and sat down with my father on his throne. He who adds an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. You know, I want to encourage you When you get a chance, go through all seven of these letters and even just read the ends where it says, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers, to the one who conquers. Because these are all things available to you as an individual. This isn't available just to groups. It isn't available to a specific church. This is available to you. If you are justified of your sin because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you've accepted him into your heart. This is available to you. And there is one. I'm not going to go into that. That that would take me off course. So let's go back to the church of Philadelphia. Verse seven, and to the angel of the church of Philadelphia write the words of the holy one and true one who is, who has the key of David, who opens, who opens and no one will shut, who shuts and no one opens. I know your works. Okay, saying I know who you are. I know your heart. I know what you believe. I know what you have put out to me, meaning God. Behold, I have set before you An open door, which no one is able to shut. I know that you have but little power, and yet you have kept my word and have not denied my name. And and from here on, we, we know all these. I'll just read through it quickly and then go back. Behold, I will make those of the synagogue of Satan who say that they are Jews and are not, but lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they will learn that I have loved you. Because you have kept my word about patient endurance, I will keep you from the hour of trial that is coming on the whole world to try those who dwell on the earth. I am coming soon. Hold fast what you have so that no one may seize your crown. And then to the one who conquers. And and by the way, before I read that, first of all, understand in the second part of verse 11, you, again, example that this is not talking about salvation. This is not talking about your justification of sin. Because it says, hold fast to what you have, that no one may seize your crown. Who's he talking about? He's talking about the enemy. Right? As we build relationship, is that a guaranteed thing? Well, you know what, I built it up to level 10, so I'm just a level 10 relationship owner now. And I'm just going to go ahead and retire at level 10. I'm, I'm, I'm good with that. We'll just stay at level 10. Well, first of all, do you think you'll stay at level 10? I mean, not that there's levels, but I'm speaking to mostly young, young people here so you all understand that metaphor. Right? No, you're going to go backwards. Right? Because relationship is not about levels attained. It's about each moment. It's about each moment. If If I stopped... Spending time with Alexis. If I stopped, if we stopped pouring into relationship together, do you think it would just stay the same? No, that's silly. That's ridiculous. Relationship means continued investment. It's continued. That's why I said we'll spend eternity doing it. It'll be continued investment even when we're with him. Only difference is now it's by faith. Then it will not be by faith. Now we actually have something to give. Then, I'm not sure we will. Except for the faith that we've expressed here on earth. To the one who conquers, verse 12, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it. And I will write on him the name of my God. I think it's so wild. Oh, so wild. This is a separate study I won't dive into right now, but... Why do you think Jesus calls the Father my God? Please don't think it's because Jesus is not God. Jesus is God. And He is equal with all parts of the Trinity. And we, I won't go into it right now, but understand Jesus is fully God. He is showing you what He did as a man. He humbled Himself to be placed beneath Parts of his creation said men were created a little lower than the angels, right? So literally, he comes into creation. You would think he'd come in like as an archangel or something if he's lowering himself. But no, he lowers himself to the lowest. To the lowest part of this human creation. And he shows us how to build relationship with the Father. Because we couldn't know it any other way. We have to look at Jesus' example. And he said, if you conquer, I'll make you a pillar in my temple. I will write on you the name of my God. Why? Because you're building relationship with him just as I showed you how to do as a human being. And then he says, and, and also the name of the new Jerusalem. And his own new name. Now, I'm not going to get into that. Do a do a search on that, because Jesus is given. I, I want to say it's a uh, Revelation chapter 19. He's given a white stone, and 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 on this or, or no no, sorry, that's what we're given. But in 19, he's given a name that nobody knows except him. I wonder if that's the name he writes right here on us says, this is my name of relationship. I will only reveal it to those who have pursued me, who have gone after me. Because it doesn't include everybody. (sighs) He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. And I want you to go one last place. I want you to go to Exodus, chapter 33. Because with all these things going on, with all these things, this pursuit of, of relationship and the readying of the bride and all that we have experienced as a church, I mean, it's, it's, it's difficult when people come against you, right? It's difficult... When they can't see the same things that you see. Well, you know, Moses dealt with that. Let's start at verse 12. Moses said to the Lord, see, you say to me, bring up this people, but you have not let me know whom you will send with with me. Yet you have said, I know you by name, and you have also found favor in my sight. Now, therefore, if I have found favor in your sight, please show me Now your ways, that I may know you in order to find favor in your sight. Consider, too, that this nation is your people. And he said, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. Verse 15. And he said to him, If your presence will not go with me, don't bring us up from here. For how shall it be known that I have found favor in your sight, I and your people? That's where we're at. That's where we're at. And, And I know I'm speaking to this group here and perhaps to Remnant online. But that's where we're at. See, that church of Philadelphia where he said, I know you have but little power. Right? We just read that. I know you have but little power, but I have opened a door before you. I've opened a door before you. See, he doesn't go to explain what that means. Door to heaven? No, they're already saved. Door to relationship? No, he talked about that later on. Because he said later on in the in, uh, uh, church of, I think, Thyatira, or Laodicea, the last one, he said, I'm knocking on the door, right? So what's this open door that is specific to the church of Philadelphia? And don't even think of it in terms of a category, but what is this open door that is specific to somebody who is sold out for Jesus Christ? Sold out and nothing is nothing else is important to them. What open door could that be? I believe it's the same door that Moses was praying for right here. I can't step through unless you're with me. I can't step through unless your power accompanies me. Because I cannot show your power with just me. It has to be him. It has to be Him. It wasn't Moses that did those ten plates. It wasn't Moses that brought the children of Israel out of Egypt. It was God. It was God showing His power. He stayed with Him in the pillar of of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. His presence stayed with Him. And that's what we need. That's what we pray for. That's what He wants us to yearn for. Not His power to be used how we want to use it. Because that's not real power. That's not the real open door. The real open door is what He goes on to explain in all seven of the of the letters. That I want relationship. The power is in that relationship. The power is in you being fully used by God. And then it's just about his power. His power is coming. I say that as a testimony for what will be seen online soon enough. His power is coming. Why? Because we deserve it? No. We've we've qualified for it. There's a difference. You qualify when you walk in the Lord's will. And everything is about Him. You can qualify for it in your life. But it's not something you attain. It's something He does. It's something He does. You you just have to trust Him. And one day... I won't even say soon, because I can't stand that word. Because I believe it's immediate. His power will come. Will stay with. And the only thing I can say to that is woe to those who don't heed. Woe first to the enemy. Of God. But then woe to those that would not see Him and relationship with Him in His power. Woe to those. Let me pray, and then, Alexa, I'm going to have you come up after I pray. Father, this is a prayer you have laid on my heart for a long time. Just as Moses prayed, search our hearts, O God, and see our desire is for you. Yes, we cry for vindication. Yes, we cry for your promises to be done in this time. But Father, in our heart of hearts, what we want is you to fully manifest you. You to do your will. You to fulfill what you have said in Revelation 3 verse 9. Father, it's because of the blindness that we ask for your power. But even with your power, some will stay blind, but others will see. Father, we ask for your power. We cannot and we do not desire to move forward without it. just as we would not want to move forward without relationship with you. Take everything you want from us, but don't take you. Put us through whatever it is your will to put us through, but don't take you away don't take the sweetness of relationship the overwhelming presence of love we ask for your power we ask for your power to fulfill your will in jesus name amen
1: Such an important word, such a a good Mm. reminder, and I just want to say two quick things that I felt like the Lord was showing me when when Greg was speaking, and it is that, let me get this cord under there so it doesn't tip, Um, it's interesting the parallel of Christ and his church believers being the bride, the bride and the bridegroom and what it looks like, as an example, in the human realm. We are, in November, going to be 32 years. can't believe I'm having that with a question mark. I'm the one that should know. I just never think 30 that. 32 years married. And the thing that is interesting about a marriage relationship is when you don't communicate... Or if you go for a period of time without communication, you can begin to go on your merry way, um, you know, dealing with the kids, dealing with the house. Mm-hmm. You go to your job, you come home, and you just do your things. Have, and be feeling like, if somebody were to say, so do you think you're a good wife? Yeah, I, I think it's fine. Everything's fine. It's good. And then one day, you have a conversation that opens up deep communication and you find out there's deep hurt, deep offense. There may be major misunderstandings. There may be a dryness that someone is feeling. We even this past week got into a, an argument just about house-related things. And it was interesting to me that it's or mm-hmm. just fleshly because of stress or this or that and not realize that it hurts your relationship. And isn't that just like Jesus? Isn't that just like our relationship with God? We can think we're fine. Yeah, I'm a good I'm a good bride. And yet never talking to God and finding out what may hurt his heart. And and I know we've Jeff has said this we've we've talked about this that you know, we just sometimes we just don't know what we don't know. That's why we have to be in this relationship with the Lord Jesus. And I really believe that the state of the bride has, in ministry, the churches, has been reduced to what people think they're good at and what they think based on their own human assessment they can step into rather than the intimacy and relationship with God showing them and, and heeding the word from the Holy Spirit to go into something so that God can show what he wants to do through a person we may think we know what we're called to I'm quite sure Moses never felt God was going to call him to such a position of leadership in all of the limitations in his personality and his ability to speak which as you know in scripture he argued with the Lord why me, why me, I'm not equipped for that but In relationship, we really do fulfill the will of the Father, regardless of how we're humanly suited. Sometimes it matches up in our minds, but it always matches up through the lens of God. Because sometimes where we would say, oh, that person would never, that would never be good for them. It's amazing how God can get the glory in the most seemingly humanly unsuitable person. And... Those things are realized in that relationship. You realize both what purity looks like and the pursuit of purity, but also in carrying out the will of the Father. That by faith were to were to carry as Christians, as Christians, as um, believers, and that that word has become so dulled. To be a believer and then not believe, not not even believe enough to believe that there's actual fellowship, back and forth exchange. We have no right bearing the sign of a believer and then building our theology around all the things that God doesn't do or stop doing and deciding that this, this book that we say is, is God's word is, has become reduced to some historical artifact, record of something in the past, and yet saying from our lips, the God who was, who is, and is to come. So we got to match up some of these things, and those are what are matched up in relationship. Any kind of breakdowns in what we say and how we live is made realized in relationship. I have no idea daily how to love my husband outside of our communication and our relationship. He's changing every day. I'm changing every day. And marriages that do not communicate dry up. It's just a fact. And it is a picture of Christ and his bride. It needs that constant investment of relationships. Especially to exist, perhaps not. You can exist in a marriage many years with just commitment. But to be fulfilled... To be not even tempted that there would be an outside attraction or luring out. The fulfillment is so alive and so wonderful that there would be no other person that would replace what, what you have in that beautiful union. That is what God wants. He doesn't want the idol worship. No other gods before me. And, um, and he just... He just makes it possible. You know, it's not a striving, and I'm so thankful. I loved his examples of the legalistic upbringing because I had the same thing, and I also thought that it was it was a, it was the sum total of personal disciplines that's how I became close to God. And um, wow, if we knew, he's always redemptive and full of love to make new. So Father, thank you again for this beautiful word from you this morning and from. Um, your Holy Spirit, and I just pray that it would really open our eyes. Let us take it with us to even watch online or listen to the podcast again and again. Um, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would prompt us for someone that was not able to be here this morning, maybe didn't get to hear it, to just send them um, the podcast so that uh, just your truth is made known. Lord, we just love you and we thank you for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen. Um,